gender, body acceptance, abortion, sex, racial justice, feminism, birth, parenthood, stigma, bodily autonomy, and more. This is Reproductive Left by Mabel Watzer Center, an independent feminist nonprofit comprehensive healthcare provider in Bangor, Maine. Join us as we explore topics that impact our sexual and reproductive health and lives. Here's your host, Aspen Rulin. Aspen uses they, them pronouns and is our client and community advocate. Welcome back to another episode of Reproductive Left. I'm your host, Aspen. My pronouns are they, them. And as you're listening to this episode, Pride season is winding down. However, queer pride never ends. And so for this hot Mabel summer season episode, I'll be interviewing Professor Nancy Lewis in honor of Pride Month. Nancy, who uses she, they pronouns, wears a few hats, but we came to know each other when I took their Intro to LGBT Studies at the University of Maine as a student. Since then, my brother and other people I know have taken the course as well and all adored it, and we even became colleagues this past spring when I adjuncted a course in the Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies program. Nancy, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, Uh, With that, let's jump right into questions. So what is it like teaching about LGBT studies? And this could be specifically the intro to LGBT studies course I took with you, or how that topic comes up in other classes you teach. Teaching um, intro to LGBT studies is personally for me um, something that when I was first asked to do it, I was actually scared of doing. Um, because being out in our community can be scary. And, but now I find it extremely rewarding um, working with the students. I find it personally really life affirming. Um, It allows me to be all of who I am in one place and to, to share that with other people. So I really enjoy it. Um, It's frustrating as well. I've got to add that. It's frustrating um, because of all the issues um, and the patterns that keep recurring um, as we look at LGBT history, um, LGBTQ history. There's just such a repetition of gains and losses that's very frustrating. But I keep doing it. Yep. No, and that all resonates with me so much because while I don't teach, you know, LGBT studies, I, of course, like adjuncted a course this past semester and really regularly do workshops, especially like, you know, Trans 101 or LGBTQ plus 101. And, you know, the like scary element of it, especially when I first started, I completely feel the how life affirming it is. Yes, but then also like the frustrations that come up at seeing kind of like certain things that repeat. It's very, it's certainly interesting. Indeed. Um, when, I'm te- when I'm teaching about um, issues that came up in Florida in the 1970s, and here we are again, and I'm teaching about issues coming up in Florida. 
Um, One example. Yeah. Yeah. An intern we had this past spring actually uh, wrote a blog post on the Mabel site for people who like to look at our blog posts, uh, looking at that comparison, you know, with Anita Bryant back in the 70s and things going on in Florida now. And again, it is so weird how, uh, you know, homophobia and transphobia they never really come up with anything new. They um, are really good at recycling old arguments and just putting it in new packaging. That's very, very true. Um, and one of the joys that I do have about this is when my students recognize that and are able to state that on their own without even prompting, they see, can they come up with a new argument? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's all the same. And it's like, yeah, but it's still obviously pretty effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Unfortunately, a lot of homophobes and transphobes have found arguments that seem to strike a nerve, even when they are clearly not based in reality. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Well, let's take a quick pause for a Mabel's Fast Fact. If someone living with HIV has an undetectable viral load, that means they cannot transmit HIV to another sexual partner. Learn more at MabelWadsworth.org or in our show notes. So over the years, what shifts have you noticed in teaching about LGBT studies? I started teaching this course in the spring of 2012. Um, and if you have, or if our listeners have any recollection of what was going on then in Maine at that point in time, that was leading up to the vote on legalizing same-sex marriage. And so a lot of the students at that point of time who selected to take the course, that was the major issue. Um, and as uh, then uh, that's when I started and I kept teaching it and we had remarkable successes and it was so optimistic and everyone, all the students were focused on that. And that was just really where people were. So there was that, and that was the energy that was driving people to want to take the course and so forth. Another thing that um, was really clear at that point in time, there was less general knowledge among students who took the course, um, whether they were cishet or if they identified in the queer community um, about any kind of anything that was historical at all. Mm. Um, they were really just in the present. And there was a lot of question about transgender identity. Mm. And the questions tended to focus on very specific, actually more in your field and health treatment kinds of questions. Um, so a lot of questions that came up in class were focusing on those kinds of issues. So that's where I was starting. Now, when I'm teaching it, well, we spent a lot of time dealing with the current legislative attacks, um, and that's where we are. Um, but we're looking more at identities and much more exploration on multisexual identities mm -hmm. and um, non-binary gender identities, um, what I would call everything within the trans um, asterisk spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. So not just... Um, what folks might identify as transgender. And that's really where the students are and what they really wanna focus on. And they are becoming a little more aware. Um, most of them have heard of Stonewall now. Um, yep. So that that's, uh, but they still don't know much beyond that, before that. 
Um, but th those are the changes that I see. Um, the issues are different and what has been out in popular media and through internet, social media, um, has raised a little bit of awareness even for students who don't identify with the community that take the course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to say, gosh, I hadn't realized you'd started teaching in spring of, you said spring of 2012? Yes. I think it was fall of 2012 when I took the course with you. Oh, well, my second time. Right, which is yeah. debatable. Yeah. Um, but no, and I just, I mean, I still, that course was really impactful for me. I, I mean, there were a lot of courses that I took at UMaine that were really impactful. And I think just, yeah, like having that history is so important and something that is so kept like from queer people, but also kept from cishet people. And that's a lot of like what leads people to believe that this is like a trend, that this is new. Yeah, I get a lot of questions in classroom from students as we're going through the historical background material, which is where I start, as you know. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we studied the civil rights movement. We studied Martin Luther King. We studied all this movement. You know, why didn't we hear about Bayonard Rustin? I mean, why was this left out? And we say, we studied McCarthy. We studied all this. Why didn't we hear about the persecution of homosexuals? Um, mm -hmm. um, and that's the constant question. And it's a good question. I want them to raise it because it's something, and unfortunately still extremely relevant as we look at attacks on uh, curriculum. Um, yes. Now that will make things even worse. I mean, and one thing that I see come up and that I try to bring up for people when talking about the history and when talking about particularly where I see people say that like being trans is new and that this is a fad. I mean, obviously there's countless cultures across the world and across time that we can look at, but you know, how many of us in some sort of history class or even just on the internet have seen that really famous Nazi book burning picture. Exactly. Yeah, and and how example. many of us know, and I actually think it was probably in your class that I first learned, I have since seen it elsewhere on the internet, but that was, I think the first place that I learned that that wasn't just any book burning. No, that was uh, Magnus Hirschfeld's uh, Institute for Sexual Research Library of Materials. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and that was addressed, you know, that institute was focused on that, like, yes, queer and trans people exist and always have and deserve mm -hmm. to be happy and healthy. And mm -hmm. yeah, so this idea that, that queerness, that transness is like a new thing is very clearly disproven by that. But then, you mm -hmm. know, when we're not taught what that book burning was about, then that is a way that like our culture and our curriculum erases queer and trans people from history. Exactly. Um, since you've taken the course, it's not static. I add things. <laughs> One of the things that my students now take a look at, although your brother might have, um, an excerpt from Plato's Symposium um, that's looking at um, his justification on how gender and sexual attraction um, changed over time um, that I have folks read it, you know, and I do that to sort of shock people. Okay, this is Plato. Most everyone has heard of Plato. If not, we situate, okay, when did he live, you know, and look what, what he's writing about. And because a Western culture really, you know, resonates 
with um, the Greek philosophers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just didn't, if you haven't learned anything about Plato, betcha you didn't talk about this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, that that brings up for me thinking about, because I've seen a lot of people, you know, like kind of joke about this on the internet. I don't remember what year it came out, but that uh, Troy movie with Brad Pitt and how they made Achilles and Patroclus straight in it, even though like them, like being a couple was like so hugely important to like the plot of their story like that's kind of why Achilles went a little bit buck wild because his lover was killed and it's just yeah the way that we get erased from history and from stories that we are a part of is a little yikes a lot like I think it's a lot yikes it's a lot yikes let's just say that um, because that's part of the reason why I teach <laughs> to try to, to try to erase the story. And um, one of the things that I've been saying to students, especially as, as they get interested and they said that teaching this kind of thing is activism because mm-hmm. we need to actively share this information because no one else really is sharing it. Um, it's not in conventional education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I have even had situations where someone told me that they were taking another course on this campus. I'm on, I'm up here in Oriole. Um, that was some kind of a history course, and they weren't talking about something that was clearly in our course and that wasn't being mentioned. Um, and luckily, I don't even remember what course it was or the specifics of it. But I remember thinking, "Oh my word, um, that's not an example that I want." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's the reality um and oftentimes you know sometimes it's not if someone never learned this you know what's going on if they if they learn the narrow scope of historical you know story then they don't know and you can't teach what you don't know right and yeah i mean that was actually something um the course that i taught this past semester um uh sexual and reproductive health and justice and you know big surprise with me teaching it I brought a very like strong queer and trans lens to that course and a lot of my students were really surprised you know they had not encountered that intersection even you know like doing their own research even in like other courses that like touched on these topics you know they had been presented as being like separate from each other yeah, that's why this te- that's why I, I truly see teaching as this course as an activism role for me. Um, I like teaching, and I think that if you can share and get students to start thinking on their own and showing them ways to explore new sources, new ways to think about things, that they can take that off on their own, you know, and then start sharing it. One of the, the one of the things that I do hear um, from students and just, you know, I just taught it last semester, is that one, they, they tell me one of the things that this course is helping them is that in conversations with their friends, they can say, wait a minute, no. <laughs> I've learned this and, and and start sharing that information. So it's rippling out. Mm. Um, and that's just, you know, that gives me goosebumps when that happens. So, you know, that's what we want. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've already sort of touched on it, but this does segue us into the next question that I had to give you space to 
touch on this more. Um, why do you feel that teaching LGBT studies is important? Well, clearly I do. Um, <laughs> first off, there's there's something that I haven't addressed though. For those individuals who identify in the queer spectrum or are questioning and not sure, um, the course gives them a space that's up front. Yes. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, we're talking, most of my students are traditional age. So they're 18, 19, 20, um, occasionally a little older, but usually in that age. So that's a time period when people are exploring and thinking. So the course is really important for that. Um, the course is important for people who are looking to um, go into professions like um, medical, like nursing, like psychology, um, social work, um, professions where they need to be very aware of all kinds of things, um, which relates to yourself and your yep. role. Yeah. yeah. And then for individuals, um, for all folks who take it, as I said before, for all of us as individuals, for all of us as citizens and voters, um, we need to be informed. And if public school and some private school um, are not giving us the information that we need, we need to find it out some other way. And so this course helps people do that. One change that I've also made to the course since you took it, I know, um, but I changed it starting um, now. <laughs> In the spring of 2018, I actually do some really basic, this is how the legend, you know, the power system with the legislature and the courts <laughs> and the executive and how this works. And so we actually start examining the policies. Where is this being impacted? Okay, why is the Supreme Court? What does it matter, right? Who's what's the state doing? What's the federal doing? Just to help people get a better understanding of that, because frankly, um, I have other backgrounds as you, you know, I have a lot of different hats, but general civics knowledge and of our political system knowledge is not as weak too with students coming in. So the context of all the policies and how they're impact, who's doing what and how they're able to do these policies, um, I've pulled that in as well because that creates educated voters. Absolutely. Well, and I think also something that contributes to a lot of that like lack of knowledge and confusion among I mean students but also like the general population is that one the way we're taught about it like in you know k through 12 is often very like distance is almost like very theoretical and not like it's an actual thing that happens mm -hmm. but also I feel like typically we're only taught again about that theory on like the federal level and not so much state level and the difference between you know, like federal law and state law, how things function on that state level. And of course, like differences between laws that exist. I mean, during the Trump administration, when um, they removed, you know, tried to remove like the protections for trans people on a federal level around health insurance, I remember having to explain to so many of our patients that Maine law protected them. Mm -hmm. They had no idea that Maine anti-trans discrimination laws existed. They had no idea that they were protected by them. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, the way we're often taught in K through 12 about these like legal systems sets people up to just not understand what's happening. Right. Yeah, I agree. So 
the question was, why do I feel it's important? Um, it's huge. I mean, that's yeah. why I keep, I keep doing it. Um, again, I do a lot of things up here on campus, and this is um, the word on campus is overload. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I'll keep doing it as long as I can, as it, I feel it's really, really important. And again, I'm going to circle around. It's my own life. Right. Uh, and I wish that when I was 18, 19, 20, that I had access to this information because I didn't, right? And believe it or not, that was pre-internet. <laughs> so the, we really didn't know much um, in certain places. And um, so it's just really relevant um, as I'm looking on that, as I'm working with students, I just, it's like, this you have, it's, you know, this is a gift. It was really good. That it's not a gift. They're paying for a course, you know, obviously, but um, they've made a choice mm -hmm. to take the course, right? No one, the, the course counts for some things, but it's not required for anyone um, to take the course. And we've increased the number of times it's taught. I mean, I'm teaching two sections of it next semester mm -hmm. um, and I expect them to fill. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I would be shocked if they didn't. I mean, yeah. one of my own students I had raved to me about how much they loved your course. Yeah. And it's, it's, I just, my ego is not going to get too much there. They <laughs> love that. They love the ability to learn about this material. And yeah. I'm just, I'm just, you know, the technician that helps them do that and brings that to them. Yeah. Um, but well, you do a very good job as a technician. And I also want to like name what you said about, you know, when you were younger at like 18, 19, 20, not having this information, how, you know, much you would have benefited from it. And while, you know, I grew up like having access to the internet. I mean, I took your course when I was 19. Um, I still very much feel that sentiment as part as part of why I am in this sort of education work as well. You know, I think back to before getting to college, being in my teens, being in high school, and not having the language or the knowledge or the history of queer and trans people, and knowing that I did not fit within, like, cis het communities, but not understanding why, and just how much of a difference that that knowledge makes. Yeah, you know, I agree with you there. <laughs> Oh. Absolutely. What a difference. And so I'm, I'm privileged that I'm able to do something that'll help that along for some folks. Mm, absolutely. Well, Nancy, I want to thank you for joining me on Reproductive Left to wrap up Pride Month and for doing the work that you do. I know that you had a profound impact, not just on my career path, but on me being confident in myself as a queer person. Um, I want to thank our listeners for joining us and I will see you all next time.